Well, it's football season. It's a brand new show. It is the Nate Taylor Show. Nate, of course, from The Athletic at Twitter, at by Nate Taylor. Just has a story hot on the press on The Athletic right now. Nate Taylor joins us now. Obviously, this was the place of the Trez Paler Show. Obviously, he meant a lot to me. He meant a lot uh, to Nate Taylor, too. But anyway, welcome to your show, Nate Taylor. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We made it. You made it. Finally. I mean, we just think it's been in works for a while, you know? You're, we, we, you're had, here. we announced this in July. <laughs> we, <laughs> it was that. We knew about it before then. We got through training camp. We got through the preseason. The Chiefs are 1-0, just like we all predicted. Yeah. And uh, we're on. You won 20-0? Just like, uh, I know that thing uh, took I, a life of its own, it, even though it was yeah, just. They I, should say that. Yeah, you, should, you have to say that. Patrick can say whatever he says absolutely and that's fine 100%. i am here to analyze provide reasonable expectations <laughs> he said it inside the chill zone he really <laughs> did was it, was, it, was, re- it was literally called the chill zone on on the nate taylor show you will not hear me say the chiefs will ever go 20 and 0 <laughs> now we're gonna take this you know a little week by week obviously we want to look forward to the postseason because that's ultimately what really matters but um it's great to be here. It's great to be in the studio. Great uh, to have you, man. Jay, we've we've talked about this so much. I think fans are going to enjoy it. Um, we're going to try to make this as entertaining and as informative as we possibly can. And uh, what way to do that, you know, based on the guy that uh, I love to death, same as you. Um, you know, we're carrying on his legacy in a lot of ways. I'm wearing all the, juice. the all-juice shirt um, because it's only right. So fitting. To do that for um, just our guy, Therese Paler, um, who unfortunately uh, passed away in February, shortly after uh, Super Bowl 55. Um, the Chiefs have honored him in the press box. So um, his legacy is cemented there. His legacy is cemented here in 610 Sports. And uh, if you if you don't have the all-Jew shirt to honor what Therese would do before every you know NFL draft, get the all-Jews team who does he most love the attributes, the skill set, the performance, the attitude on the field, uh, and the prospects that you would want to sort of see how they would develop in the NFL. Um, the company that's providing the shirt is Breaking Tea. Uh, I'll send out a link on Twitter a little bit from now. But the proceeds will still benefit the scholarship that's in his name at Howard University. And uh, it was it was a joy to put this shirt on today and know that um, I have the honor of, of following him in this nature Knowing how close you guys were, knowing how close you know I was to Therese, and um, how much it will mean for me to sort of continue the path in his honor. And his uh, fiance Ebony Reed's done so much for this yes. too in the endowment and everything at yes. Howard University. She's done a, a lot of tremendous work, but he meant a lot to us. He meant a lot of people. I told you he meant everything to people at the station. Nick knew him well. Uh, obviously, Nick's been the producer mm-hmm. of the Therese Paler Show. As well. Yeah, I knew him back just when he was high school beat writer, man. And here's one thing about him, Nate. And there's so many things you can say about him. Obviously, you know, we talked a lot about Trez on the Trez Paler uh, day here in Kansas City. And it was tremendous to honor him. It's great what the Chiefs have done, not only with the contributions, but the press box as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, going back to uh, the best thing I can say about him, I used to, I met him, first of all, when he was in the high school football beat. And he loved the sport. And actually, you know, we had a connection because of our love for anything football. Whether he loved high school football the yep. same as the NFL. But every story that he wrote, like I'd go back and read it. Like how did how did he see it? Like I, I obviously knew what I said about the game or what what transpired.
But I want to know what he saw through his eyes because he always was so unique. Yes. In anything he did, the questions that he asked, everything had a purpose. Everything he did had a purpose. But I always go back and read the articles that he would put in the star about the high school game because he treated those games eventually like he would the Super Bowl, eventually like he would be as a mm-hmm. Hall of Fame voter. He put the same intensity and effort in the high school football and never wavered. No. That's just who he was. And he enjoyed every every step along the way. And uh, I know a lot of people put a lot of their souls into their careers. He was one of them. Um, Ebony supported him at every step, you know, when they were together. Uh, she is a she's just an amazing woman in what she's done. But yeah, I I met Therese when I was in college. So when he was covering high school sports, I was a student journalist at Central Missouri uh, in Warrensburg, and that's how we started a connection. Um, you know, he was a mentor to me in a lot of ways. Uh, he congratulated me, and I and I put this out there a couple times, but he congratulated me when I got my first article in the in the Kansas City Star covering. High school sports on a Friday night, and to see the way um, he went about the job, the passion, the the worth ethic, and the overall, you know, just good intentions he had in terms of finding the truth, in terms of learning. So much of this job is just I want to learn, you know. And so I, I I've always valued what he brought, um, as you mentioned. Sometimes I, you know, as a competitive person, would read. His reporting and be like, oh, I got to get better at this. Or, oh, kind of beat me on that. Uh, you know, so it's it's an amazing feeling when you're following somebody who's sort of setting a path, setting a standard for you. Uh, he was the chief speed writer for the Kansas City Star for more than five seasons. He makes the transition to Yahoo Sports, and that is essentially when the athletic hires me to cover the Chiefs. And... Some people will say in the entertainment industry that, oh, it's never great when you meet your idols, when you go and work in the same sort of swimming pool. Uh, no, Therese was great. It was it was a joy. He gave me a lot of advice, a lot of, you know, tips. And to see uh, to see him watch Mahomes make the comeback in Super Bowl 54 and for us to really just talk about the game afterwards, knowing that, I got to write more articles. He's got to write more articles. He's got a podcast to do. I got to catch a plane. Like, but for those for those bus rides back from you know from the stadium in Miami back to the hotel, it was it was a joy, man. So um, when you guys approached me about the opportunity to to have this show, to have the show in my name, uh, nobody better, man. How, he would be so proud of you right now. How how could I say no? Um, and it's it really is an honor. And so I want I want Chiefs fans to know that um, as much as it pains me to know that, you know, he's no longer with us, um, he's still going to have an impact for years and years and years. And to know that uh, this is – anytime we have these microphones on, anytime we have this show on, it is in remembrance and honor um, and cherishing both the man who brought a lot of knowledge to football – uh, for the common fan, for people who want to get to know more about these players, and also knowing that uh, I'm doing it in the same vein as best I can, um, while also trying to make things, you know, as fun as he did. Because 
let's be real. I listened to the show. <laughs> I I I listened. And you ever find yourself asking questions like he would? Because I, I hear that sometimes. From yes. Me. Yeah. Because you want to know the answer. It's not just you're just throwing something out there. No. You, you, you want to know deep down. Like Trust was the guy. You've been out to Chiefs drafts. He was the guy on Saturday when it wasn't Veach that would come out there. It'd be, It'd the, be the area scouts. scouts. The scouts. That's where he dove into, man. Yeah. And and look, I I I've I've. I did similar things over over this draft. You know, I've been I was very high on Noah Gray, and asking uh, some of the scouts then the process to to trade up in the fifth round and what did you see and the production may not be what you would want in college, but what does the film show? What is he's what is his personality? You know, David Cutcliffe, pretty good coach. Yeah. You know, if he's worked with the Mannings and he understands offensive football at a high level. What does he say about this kid, you know, young man, excuse me, about Noah Gray, that would make you think that he will have a successful career down the road? Maybe not, you know, a, a bright rookie season, but you know somebody that's going to develop over the course of the year. So, yeah, I mean, every little detail matters in football, which is why it's so fun. I, I like to call it an ocean, and you're just a deep-sea diver. And how much do you want to put – the oxygen tank on and let's see how far we go. You know, uh, there are a lot of things that I noticed in yesterday's game with the chiefs and the Browns that I would not have known four or five years ago when I first started covering the team. But that's the most, that's the most enjoyable part in a lot of ways is like, Oh, I noticed this before the ball is snapped. And do the Browns know that too? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they don't. Or, well, I watch this team every day. And so, they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball to Travis Kelsey in the red zone. So all of this lets you really dive in, and you want in you can go as deep as you want. You can gather as much information you want. You can always ask questions to, you know, be enlightened. And you know, I'm always appreciative of guys who want to give honest, authentic answers. It's partly why I miss Mitchell Schwartz so much, Jay, because yeah. he he was well, he's and, around here, and I know it's partly why I mentioned his name. You gotta see him when he's out there eating barbecue. <laughs> I know him and him and <laughs> no. him and Carrington have had a had a great oh, series. Uh, I get the leftovers. What time? What time does this occur? I'll let you know. Okay, please do. I'll uh, let you know. Yeah, you I got your I would, card now, so you can just come on in. I would love to be around as long as it's not when the Chiefs are practicing. I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> so you mentioned the Chiefs, the 33-29. By the way, you know, Terrez, thank you for everything you did yes. for me, Nate. He's got the all juice team on, but anyway, glad to have you. Terrez would be so proud of you, as I've said uh, many times. All right. What would Therese say about that game yesterday? Because here's the thing. You had an article out on The Athletic about the Chiefs sending a message in the AFC with a swift comeback win over the Browns. Now, here's the thing. I value, I don't know where you put the Browns, but I had them in the next tier to the yes. Chiefs. Matter of fact, I like them as much as the Buffalo Bills. Really? Oh, yeah. I, this before kick. I love this. And this is before kickoff yesterday. Okay. They're the only offensive line that boasts three all-pro players. That offense, they, it they was move, evident how maybe, sick. And Jedrick Wills got hurt. And they move left tackle. Yeah, they move people. And they bring in Anthony Walker. I love him at inside linebacker. They bring in 50% of the number one secondary in the NFL in Johnson and Troy Hill from the Rams. That was the number one secondary last year. They yes. got 50% of it in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And they draft corner in the first round. I like the steps that they took. And obviously Odell didn't play, but he'll be back. Yeah. I love that running game. And that's the best running game in the NFL. Now that Dobbins is hurt and Gus Edwards is hurt. You know, the Ravens are the all-time Rush leader back in 2019 when they went for 3,256 <laughs> yards. They can run the rock. They got nobody running but Lamar. Right. And by the way, he's back to back a thousand yards. No one ever done that. But regardless, 
Baker Mayfield running the play action so smooth. That's what he's known for. Five for five, 94 yards in the first half. Uh, five for five against the Blitz. But then things turned in the second half. What message do you think the Chiefs really sent the rest of the AFC? Yeah, this this kind of is alluded to in my article. And, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have done this enough to know when the tide is turning. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh Patrick Mahomes scrambling to his right, throwing across his body. The ball's in the air 50 yards. Uh, Tyreek Hill, of course, translates it into a a 75-yard touchdown. It's a one-play drive that flips the entire game's momentum and engages the crowd. And look, I kind of told myself, wow, I've written this story quite a bit. And then you start thinking, how many times times I wrote about a Chiefs double-digit comeback win of the Mahomes era? And my thought was, oh, I've probably done it eight, nine, probably ten times. And, of course, CBS shows it <laughs> right as the game ends. By the way, this is Patrick Mahomes' tenth <laughs> comeback of ten or more points <laughs> in, in his career. It's remarkable. And so I didn't necessarily want to just, you know, focus solely on the game. Opening day in the NFL is about how do we project moving forward? Okay, so we have one little bit of evidence in this hopefully 17-game sample size now, to really understand who these teams are, who's getting better, who's getting worse. I completely agree with you, Jay, that the coaching staff of Kevin Stefanski to do all the things you just said and do them effectively against the back-to-back AFC champions is, is wildly impressive. But it's like, okay, we've seen this before, but this is what it means in the grand scheme of things, which ultimately is, and we, we talked about this, via text message, you cannot stumble. You can't have self-inflicted wounds. You Michael can't. K. Williams, the wire. You come at the king, you better not miss. I was waiting for you to say it. Omar. You, you come at Patrick Mahomes. last night. You come at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You better hit. You better be flawless or near flawless for 60 minutes, <laughs> maybe 55 if you get lucky. Um, the Browns had two turnovers. Their punter... On the first touch of the season, Jay, mm. didn't punt the ball. It was his first punt. His first punt at <laughs> He waited a while, too. <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, the margin is so small, especially in Arrowhead Stadium with full-capacity fans back who are just lusting for that feeling of third. Is it choking? Day. Like Tiger used to make other golfers choke? Are teams choking the Chiefs? Because they understand that 15's over there. Because they always say that when somebody's over on the sideline, like Chiefs used to do with Elway. Well, because they knew he was on that sideline. Mahomes over there, 15's over there. They know that. They, they, they. The moment they got down, the Cleveland Browns stopped running the ball. Okay. They, their quarterback had a little bit of a happy feet. Made a made the first poor decision of the game. Special teams was not special. So I would tend to agree with you, Jay, even though I feel like the Browns are very close to being equal to the Bills, and it's only one week. Yes, the Bills lost at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to be in the Browns' mind. They now have to get over the hurdle physically and mentally because you've been to Arrowhead twice in the calendar year and lost pretty devastatingly each time. And so if these two teams meet again in January, especially if it's in Arrowhead Stadium, they know coming off the bus, we've got to play a near-perfect game. And that's a lot to ask of any professional athlete. You know, I 
I am a lover of tennis, and Novak Djokovic just tried to do the calendar slam. At some point, it mentally wears on you. And so when Patrick Mahomes turns a nine-point lead into a two-point lead in a matter of seconds, um, good luck to the rest <laughs> of the AFC. That's what the Chiefs just told everybody. Hey, I know we had some issues in the Super Bowl. I know our offensive line wasn't great. We got a whole new set of guys. They played, you know, admirably to competent, in my opinion. And if Mahomes is upright, uh, the same things that worked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not translate to the Steelers, the Browns, the Bills, the Colts, the Chargers. Um, you come at the king, <laughs> you best not. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, they were they were up there. That's Nate Taylor. This is the Nate Taylor show. We got a uh, week off next week, then we'll be on the week after. But then come October, every single Monday night, right here after Mitch Holtis and the Kingdom Show. By the way, Red Reaction with Dusty Likens coming up next. But we'll talk about Mahomes a little bit. How something a defensive coordinator said a couple years ago mm. really applied itself. And I know you talked about it, These ma- this magic of Mahomes. We'll talk about the Chiefs offense on the Nate Taylor show next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show. Give a follow on Twitter, at by Nate Taylor. Sitting here rocking his all-juice team t-shirts. As we remember, Therese, I'm Jay Binkley with Nate Taylor. Nate, one of the things, uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously in this game, He's 9-2 uh, in his last 11 games when coming back from double digits. Only lost by one touchdown once, more than one. That was the, the Buccaneers game. Um, thir- 35 touchdowns, no picks in the month of September. Throw me, he did run for one <laughs> yesterday as well. Right. But he's 11-0 in September now. And I know that, uh, you know, the trio of Kelsey, of Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid was even asked about it today as far as developing somebody else for the Chiefs. I know that uh, I got asked this question, you know, last night, and I know you were there for the press conference as well. Andy Reid was, well, <laughs> he, he was asked about that as well as uh, far as the chemistry with Tyreek and Mahomes. They know each other on. Mahomes could throw the ball up, and it'll come down again. I was asked this question, they're going to develop somebody else. He said, when you're down by 12 points, there's no time to develop anybody else. You go to your go-to guys in Kelsey and Hill. Will they finally develop somebody else? Yes, I think it's going to go slower than even we all anticipated. Um, you make a perfect point. The idea of like, hey, we can scheme things up. You know, Andy's known for having the 15-play script. Well, we've seen what their tendencies are. Uh, we have the best tight end in football and the fastest receiver in football. Uh, if Mahomes is comfortable, let him sling that thing around. Um, it. It's still sort of amazing to me, and I looked it up earlier today, that of the 337 passing yards by Patrick Mahomes yesterday, uh, 81% went to two players in Kelsey and and Hill. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable, that trio, the chemistry, the timing, the understanding of the routes, because Kelsey's been a former quarterback. He understands what the quarterback will like. Okay, here's the zone coverage. Here's my leverage. If I just sit right here and Mahomes gives me the football, I got all this space to run within. And then I love the idea of of the play breaking down, Tyreek Hill noticing Patrick scrambling to his right and goes, oh, we, we do this every day in training camp. We do this every day in practice. Keep running. Okay. Well, I'm the fastest dude. Wow. The Browns only have one guy covering me, and he just runs. He just 
he basically turned a deep dig <laughs> into a into just run a fade in the middle of the field. Yeah, we've seen it with Kelsey so many times too, where he comes back to the ball, just knowing where Mahomes is. It's that chemistry, as Andy Reid uh, was talking about today, and Wink Martindale, the uh, funny name, but he's the defensive coordinator <laughs> of the Ravens. You know, he once said it when he was talking about Mahomes in one of their losses, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, and the kind of the respect he had for him. He said he'll turn every game into a backyard football game. They have two plays, the one Andy Reid calls and the one they end up doing mm. with his improvisations. But yes. he turns it, that was turning it into a backyard football game. They've done that to the Ravens multiple you know, times. Multiple times. <laughs> yes. Where you turn and you can't do anything about chemistry. That's the one thing like you can't coach against when that receiver's going to make a break because he knows where the quarterback's going to yeah. put it, or he's just going to go out and get the football where he threw it. You played backyard football. You knew the guys that you just threw it up, they were going to get the ball. Exactly. And Look, the rules are designed to help the offense in this particular manner, right? A defensive back always plays a little tentative on a 50-50 ball usually if they don't see it well coming down or if they know I don't want to necessarily bump into the receiver because that's a penalty for pass interference is going to put the ball at that spot. Um, I also want to be made aware that the man running by me is, is Tyreek Hill. So I will give a lot of credit to John Johnson, who was like, this dude's fast. I don't want to get beat deep. And unfortunately, sometimes 50-50 balls come back. He didn't look at it or get the – he didn't locate the ball as well as Tyreek Hill, as, you know, Mahomes said after the game. If it were not for Tyreek Hill's near Olympic speed on a football field, perhaps his best trait would be his ability to adjust, locate, and high point the football. Um when you're in these 50-50 situations, it's just it's a masterful ex, you know, example of the quarterback trusting somebody that he knows time and time and time again, the success rate is well over 50%, um, which is what made Super Bowl 55 a little more jarring, I think, to both guys in the locker room, fans, of course, that both Tyreek Hill dropped a potential touchdown pass and Travis Kelsey dropped a third-down conversion pass in the first half, which really, you know, compounded their issues overall in terms of falling down so so far to the Buccaneers. Um, when it's third down, more than nine times out of ten, he's going to trust either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey unless there's something specifically designed and schemed up for somebody else. I believe, Jay, that the guy who should be the reliable third receiver at some point this year probably needs to be McCole Hardman. Uh, He had three targets, not a lot of yards. Um, We'll see how much that improves in these coming weeks. So the hope is they'll develop somebody. It was also surprising to me that Demarcus Robinson played more snaps than McCole Hardman in yesterday's game. But when Patrick Mahomes is forced to trust somebody – and turn a disadvantageous position into an advantageous position, he will trust Kelsey and Hill. They're getting a wide receiver in the first round next year, aren't they? Well, or it's we'll, a big free agency piece, too. They could go we'll, in that direction. But you know we're probably going to be talking to wide receiver at the draft. We'll it's see, that time. We'll see where they are from a draft pick position. Chiefs fans will obviously want them to pick from the 32nd spot. Um, it'll be fascinating to me wherever they are, if they're willing to move up, because Brett Veach, the general manager, has been known to, hey, let's, let's just move up a couple <laughs> spots. Hey, Clark, Clark Hunt, 
I know you like draft picks and building through the draft. Historically, that is the correct thing to do. But we really, really like this receiver. And, of course, the Chiefs have been, you know, known to let it know that, let people know that, hey, we really we really like this receiver from Alabama. He's really good. And uh, Well, Mahomes worked out pretty good for him trading up for that one. You know? Oh, of, of course. And of course, it was Dorsey. But, you know, Jay, we've gotten one game of, I guess two games of college football, but, you know, a, a one significant opener. And um, Alabama wide receivers are still getting wide John Matty, buddy. open. So, look, if you want to put it out there now, Jay, by all means, you know, for McCole Hartman, I think this is third year of a rookie deal. You need to perform to expectations. When the opportunities present themselves, there were less opportunities, obviously, against the Browns. But you might not be wrong. I mean, hey, first or second round pick. It's pretty high on the list. Well, solve this riddle. Who drafted Mahomes? Dorsey? Veach? Because his agent, Lee Steinberg, said that Veach is blowing up his phone the whole draft. He's the one that brought him in here. Let's not or for- was it Andy Reid? Because I'll give the credit to Reid. Because they're not picking any quarterback unless he gave the Signs thumbs off. up. Yes, yes. And you have to remember, too, Chris Ballard was a part of the front office at that point, too, right before he went to be the general manager. Reid was the even watching Maxson to watch Cream Hunt back when he was in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Because Veach would put him on Put him radar. on him. Yeah, yeah. So... There's this special day in April of 2017. This is before the draft. I don't know the exact date off the top of my head. But, hey, you get the pre-draft visit. Let's bring in the quarterbacks. They like Deshaun Watson. and uh, But for Veach, they had worked several years to get to this point. And they go through the board. Mahomes has a very unique brain. He remembers everything. He's a visual learner. He does not forget stuff. Uh, well... Why did you make this decision? Well, I made this decision based on the down, the distance, the score. Uh, Texas Tech had the worst defense in college football at the time. Which uh, he so. was tasked to score a touchdown yes. every time he's on the field, which is a remarkable trait. Yes. Um, and would still be pretty responsible with the football given everything that was at his disposal at the time. So uh, Andy Reid comes out of the meeting. Or they're in a break. They're going to some break. Uh, Brett Veach, you know. Wondering, hoping, wishing, looking for a sign. And you know it, Jay. Andy Reid, as uh, as he does, nice little grin and the old thumbs up. And from that moment, everything was a go. How do, we, again. how do we get up? Okay, well, we think this kid is the number one pick in the draft. That is what Brett Veach has said um, after the fact. But where do we need to go up? Uh, we wrote a story in The Athletic, uh, me and some of my colleagues, uh, Mike Sando, Dan Pompey, uh, Jason Jinx. They went from 27 to 10. It is one of the most remarkable trades in NFL draft history, and they picked the best player. Yeah, Buffalo media and fans will tell you, all right, we got Josh Allen, we're happy. No, they're not happy because Mahomes is he was right there. should have had. He was right there. Josh Allen is not – I know he got more MVP votes, but that's a joke. Uh, the two guys ahead of him got uh, beat yesterday. Yes. Josh Allen at home and Aaron Rodgers got pounded uh, yesterday. That's Nate Taylor. This is the Nate Taylor Show. Coming up next, though, the turning point in yesterday's game. Was it the muff punt? Was it the fumble? What was the turning point in that game as we kind of look at the Chiefs defense in the game against the Browns next? You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show. 
with, of course, Nate Taylor. I'm Jay Binkley. Nate, the uh, turning point in the game yesterday. I know our highlight of the game by Hillsburg last night was uh, the Mike Hughes interception. I always liked the Mike Hughes. Yeah. Played at Garden City, you know, after North Carolina. Then you got that US, UCF uh, undefeated team. They claim national championship. <laughs> you got to beat Bama before you do that. Yeah. Um, I'll just give him a banner. <laughs> Mike Hughes and the Chiefs got a pick back in that thing, too. People yes. don't even realize. Yeah, got a seventh-round pick. Mike Hughes and a seventh-rounder for that pick. Was that the turning point, or was, did the punt that clearly the fans had a little bit to do with? Mm-hmm. Which one of those, or the fumble? What, what do you think was the, the magic? Because the Chiefs' defense was much different in the second half. Obviously, the offense kept the ball forever in the third quarter, which is great. They needed to do that, get yes. that defense a break. And, and move the football, these long seven, eight-minute drives that they had. But when you look back at the game, what would you say? They, the turning point when you looked and said, all right, I've seen this before. I've read this book. They're going to they're gonna do it. Where, when was that moment? It's, it's the drop. It's the drop. It's okay. the drop. The punter dropping the ball. Um, you said we got a choke in progress. <sighs> Jamie Gillen. And just, you know, the punter for the Cleveland Browns. And and look, the it's it's understandable. We're human. Right, we all have ebbs and flows. The emotions, we like. I, I get it, but it. I mean, I, I, I particularly, particularly agree with Patrick Mahomes saying after the game that it felt like a playoff atmosphere. Like th- that amount of fans who had been waiting for, you know, a year and a half um, to really enjoy football in the atmosphere that we've come to know at Arrowhead Stadium. You know, I. The punter losing concentration on his first touch of the season, doing his primary job, I think that is really deflating. Um, all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield may feel, I got to do a little bit more now. Uh, oh, he the, did. <laughs> the defense the defense coming onto the field and saying, we just gave them a 75-yard touchdown. Now you want to give them a, a short field? They're already in the red zone. They're on the 15-yard line. I think... I think the turning point was, okay, you could ask me, Nate, if the punt goes off successfully. Say it's a 45-yard punt or a 50-yard punt and a 10-yard you know, ten return from McCole Hardman. Chiefs are – they got to make a 60-yard drive. Do I think the Chiefs probably go down the field and score? Probably. Um, but from an emotional standpoint, knowing that Cleveland had pretty much had control of the game up to that point, that like, hey – you know, let's see him do it again. Um, you don't really get that opportunity because you're only up to they're already in the red zone. So a field goal, essentially you're already down in the game. You're, it's just what what is the margin now because Mahomes does not turn the ball over in the red zone. Uh, I think the turning point was just a botched punt. And one thing that we discussed among the reporters in the, in the press box is, and I rewatched the game, Jay, he, he ran to his right. And he still didn't punt the football. He should have punted that ball. Like, That's evident. He, he, it was still there, but he just choked. I, he, I, it's just a, like, I don't know if you have to rugby it. It doesn't have to be perfect. No. It's not perfect now because the ball's on the ground. Punt it. Just pick the ball up, take two steps, <laughs> yeah, I, and punt it. Dude, and, kick it. And, hey, what happens if LeJarius Steed or Jordy Fortson run into you? Maybe there's a penalty and the drive extends, but you know what the worst case scenario? Well, maybe not the worst case, but the second worst case scenario is picking the ball up and running and not knowing what to do when, again, did they go through that scenario in training camp? Perhaps they didn't, Jay. Perhaps the Cleveland Browns were like, well, he's he's, he's, going to catch the ball. We don't need to go through this. Well, I'm telling you what they're doing on Wednesday in, in Cleveland. 
if you drop the punt again, here's what we do based on down and distance situation. Um, it's look, Mahomes is great. Juan Thornhill's forced fumble on Nick Chubb is is massively important, but I, I think it's I think it's the I think it's the self inflicted wounds. From the Browns punter. You look at Chris Jones, even Andy Reid after the game says, I'm not sure I've seen a defensive lineman take over like Chris Jones. I know James Palmer from NFL Network, when he went there, he said he talked to Breach Veach. He said Chris Jones had the best training camp of his of his, of career. his career. Yes. And, you know, I felt the same thing. Yes. When I would watch him, I was like, there's just something different about this dude. Now, he's already great, but it's like there's something else there. And he gets two sacks, and obviously we saw it in the preseason, both inside and outside getting sacks. Uh, he's he's been an amazing player in the two sacks in the second half. But Juan Thornhill is the one that caused that fumble. Yes, by Nick Chubb. And I know that uh, you had an opportunity today with Andy Reid to ask about Juan Thornhill. Here was the answer uh, Reid gave you. Yeah, I, I thought he just got more confident as the game went on. Um, and, and again, Juan's a real smart kid, and so him seeing it. Um, and putting himself in position normally gives him a pretty good opportunity to make plays, and that's what he did. And you know, he's a long—he's long and uh, tall, and 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 he, anyways, he, he he did good with it. And he's a, really—he's a good tackler, um, you know, secure tackler. So that, it worked out well for him. Thornhill's been so mad before with the injuries, not getting to play in the in, you know in the Super Bowl and everything else. One Thornhill, a lot of expectations on him. Tyron Matthew wasn't playing. Yes. And he said that back in college, he used to watch Tyron Matthew film to get ready for a game. Now, whether he did it or not, that's what he said. But <laughs> it's what he said anyway. And guys often say that, but Juan Thornhill. It's, it's really encouraging to know that he played, in my opinion, one of the worst first halves I've seen out of Juan Thornhill. And I think Juan Thornhill in 2019 kind of gets underestimated just because, you know, Frank Clark has an amazing postseason run. Tyron Matthew is the leader who takes over for that Eric Berry position at safety and kind of does everything in this new Steve Spagnuolo system. Obviously, Chris Jones is a is a, is a beast on the interior. Uh, but I think Juan Thornhill, in a lot of ways, has the range, the ball skills, Jay. I, I just I, – I don't know if there was much in his college film that led you to believe that he would be this good when the ball's in the air or obviously executing – what was necessary for the defense at the time is not only do you need to hit Nick Chubb, but you need to you need to see if you can punch that thing out to give your team a chance to to sort of steal a possession. Um, Juan Thornhill looked a little bit tentative in the first half. The Browns had obviously schemed some things up with play action to where they used this young kid who I think is you know a little pretty impressive. Um, you know, coming from Auburn, uh, the rookie wide receiver Anthony Schwartz. He had a very four two five speed by the way. Fort and it showed up. Yeah, I like yeah, I like Schwartz. I mean, he was he was good in the first half, but you know who took him away in the second half? Juan Thornhill. Juan uh, Anthony Schwartz got one target. It was on third and six. Crowds going crazy. If the Browns convert it, the belief goes up on that sideline, and mm. and he's got his hands on the ball. But Juan Thornhill, with this great ball skills anticipation, does not commit pass interference but uses his left arm to get in between the receiver's hands, forces the ball out, forces a punt, and it prevents the Browns from trying to regain any momentum. And I just thought for a guy who probably went into the locker room knowing, whew, that was not good, coming off an ACL injury, trying to get my confidence back, trying to understand my role, especially with Tyron Matthew out, like I got to really step up. 
And for him to just flip everything on its head and say, okay, I'm going to lead the team in tackles in the second half, which he did. I'm going to create play, playmaking plays, play winning um, plays, I just think was was really important. And it it should carry on for the rest of the season. Um, if Tyron Matthew is the same all-pro player we believe him to be, and if Juan Thornhill continues to progress, it's not out of question for Juan Thornhill to be selected to his first Pro Bowl this season, Jay, just because he's got the talent, really? he's got the range, and if the Chiefs have a successful season, it won't just be because Chris Jones is destroying people from the edge now. It'll be you got to worry about him, and hopefully, as they showed in the second half, it's going to be hard to convert these deep passes on the Chiefs' defense when they know they've got a rangy, ball-hawking safety and his name isn't Tyron Matthew. It's also Juan Thornhill. Nate Taylor has a new article up on The Athletic uh, that went out this uh, this evening. Five things we learned in the Chiefs' first game. And he talks about Juan Thornhill being the second-best defender in their win. Also talks a little bit about rookie Nick Bolton showing a little promise. Something we're going to do, and it's just kind of fun, is who we putting on top of the list for the uh, Mackley Hill Chiefs' rookie of the year. Why? Because it matters this year. Creed Humphrey, great game. Trey Smith. Trey Smith. Stan, Nick Bolton. There's actually going to be choices. Last year it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that won the award. You can make an argument for Legereus Sneed at that point from last year. We'll do that. And your questions. Jay Southland, Toe Service Text Line, 913-576-7610 is last question. And Baltimore Chiefs next week. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show. Jay Binkley here with the man himself, Nate Taylor. Baltimore Ravens just scored a touchdown on the Las Vegas Raiders. AFC West is all undefeated. Broncos winning on the road in New York. Chargers winning on the road in Washington. Kansas City, of course, won. The Vegas Raiders now. They didn't have fans last year, just cardboard. But uh, the Ravens, who are 0-3 against Mahomes, mm-hmm. will see Mahomes next week. A little mm-hmm. coast-to-coast travel mm-hmm. for those Ravens. Yeah. Uh, they, I believe, are the better team than the than the Raiders. But we will see. We'll see if the Raiders can uh, feed off that emotional crowd uh, in that new arena. Arena stadium, whatever. Yeah, then you I used to call a crowd. It. They had like eleven people at one of their practices. They opened. Yeah, yeah. They didn't love them out there though. Yeah, but I, I think for 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 next week's game, um, the Chiefs will get a look here tonight because one thing I'm mostly interested in has Lamar Jackson. You know, kind of forced based on circumstance because the Ravens have gone through so many injuries already early on in this season. Uh, Lamar Jackson's progression passing the football, particularly in the intermediate zone, the deep zone, and can he hit some of those sideline routes uh, that spread the defense out a little bit more? So we're still early in the Monday night football game, uh, so something to watch you know, after our show tonight. But um, the Ravens, kind of like the Browns, need to make a statement against the Chiefs and Mahomes. That's what makes the early part of the season so fun because the Ravens will get their shot, then it'll be the Chargers, and then in week five you get the rematch with the Buffalo Bills. So if the Chiefs come out of that, Jay, 5-0, and oh, mm-hmm. Statement the first five weeks, you get the Buffalo Bills week five. Listen, I like what they did with the receivers. Tylen Wallace, obviously Rashad Bateman is, yep. is on IR right now. But I like that draft. I think Wallace eventually, not this year, but Hollywood Brown, you know, with that team now. Sammy Watkins is the possession receiver. And I know they counted on J.K. Dobbins because they were splitting him out and stuff like that in training camp. Gus Edwards, great runner, but he only has 18 catches mm. his previous three years. And he was Obviously hurt now too, so yes. they lose a couple ground and pound guys. But Lamar Jackson, 0 three 
against. I did not like the Orlando Brown trade from their perspective because I think him with Ronnie Stanley in the offensive line make pretty good bookend uh, for them. But obviously, they, Orlando Brown didn't want to play right tackle because his dad didn't want. His late right. dad didn't want him to. They traded away Zeus, the original Zeus. Zeus, yeah. They they traded the. <laughs> let me just say this sentence for our audience. The Baltimore Ravens, who are trying to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Conference, traded away a two-time Pro Bowler to benefit Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, what do you you think the Chiefs would have done if Belichick called like two years ago for Eric Fisher? If like that's the one piece they need, and you know through the draft, you're not getting a left tackle. Because that's what that's way Veach looked at this year's draft said, we're not, we're not, yeah. Because all these left tackles are talking about moving the right tackle because they're not, they're not ready to play. And the Chiefs, they get a call. It's like, Okay, hey, hey, Bill, how you doing? <laughs> this, oh, this is a Wendy, sir. You know, I mean, they're not answering the phone. No, no, they're they're saying, "Are you done? <laughs> are you are you done? Is that it? We want to beat you. Is that it? Uh, okay, yeah. See, ya. well, the one know, piece you need. Yeah, well, well, you can you can catch Eric Fisher on Sundays <laughs> yeah, in just, the Kansas City Chiefs I uniform. They would have hung up that phone. <laughs> uh, Nick Bolton was a guy in Creed Humphrey. Uh, Trey Smith looked good at times too in this game. Pro Football Focus that does college football, of course, now too. They said uh, Creed Humphrey yesterday. Well, he didn't give up a single sack at Oklahoma. Right? He, he doesn't. Again, they they don't give up penalties either. Leonard Brown only two the last two years. Yep. I mean, this is what they do. He went forty-one pass blocking snaps, um, zero quarterback pressures allowed. Of course, no sacks allowed either from Creed Humphrey. And then you've got Nick Bolton on the defense that got the start. Obviously, the Chiefs feel highly of Nick Bolton. Well, heck, I kind of think he's going to make people uh, remember Derek Johnson quite fondly. But uh, Andy Reid on Nick Bolton today. Yeah, I thought, listen, I thought Nick did a, a pretty good job. Uh, he had uh, a couple of real secure tackles that were important for us. Um, it looked like uh, mentally he was able to digest everything that they threw at him and um, if he did make a mistake, he, he fixed it the second time around. So you always say that uh, <laughs> on defense. If you're a repeat offender, that. man, that could be a tough deal on uh, on the defense. So uh, you know, he, he's good. He's been good with that, and he, he was good with that. I, I mean, everybody say even Holmes. I think has said it. You know, talking about Hardwood after that Arizona game, he won't make that mistake again twice. They they love that thought. That's a good mentality to have. Hey, yes. you're not going to make the mistake twice. All right. So the Mac Lee Hill goes out to the Chiefs rookie of the year. Which I know it's it's a weird little small thing that nobody cares about, but me. But just for show purpose, I think it's fun because they are relying on the rookies this year. It makes it different. Yes, we could argue about Snead or Clyde Edwards all we want last year, but this year you got some choices. Creed Humphrey stepping in at center. You got Trey Smith mauling people guard. Then on the flip side, on the defense, you got Nick Bolton. I'll ask you, Nate Taylor, who's the leading rookie in the clubhouse right now? I've thought about this all afternoon, Jay. Okay. I just I just want fans to think about it in two categories. Right now, I think the I think the front runner is Nick Bolton. Oh boy. Because he may have the largest impact that you could see Sunday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I said this at the time, the best draft pick in this year's class is and probably will be Creed Humphrey. He is just so good at this <laughs> that it's it's boring how good he is. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, it's a great thing. You know, uh, Trey Smith comes in third right now, but that's not his fault. I mean, he's just a guard who, you know, uh, calls himself a goon. I want people to rewatch Patrick Mahomes' scramble 
touchdown run in the first quarter. Just just watch what Trey <laughs> Smith does to end the play. Um, there's a man <laughs> whose soul left his body on that field. That's what he wants to do. He wants to hurt people. He, he really plays. does. But within he's, the, he's the nicest guy in the world, but yet yes. his high school coach really wants. He's, you're too big to be this soft. You need to be nasty. He, and from then on, boom. Yeah, he's he's very intelligent. Uh, one of the best quotes so far on the team. But, man, within the framework of the game, I don't want to go near Trey Smith. <laughs> Nate, I'll see you uh, again on Friday. I'll be in for CDOT on the drive. I know you spend 4 o'clock hour with them. Hey, man, thanks a lot, man. We didn't yeah. get to, like, half the stuff I think we wanted to get to. <laughs> we tried to cram it all in, man. I we did. We, Ravens, Chiefs next week. So, looking forward to that. But, uh, Nate, again, thank you very much for uh, doing the show with thank, you. Thank you to 610. Thank you to Kansas City if you're listening to this. Mom! Dad, I got my own radio show. It's a Nate Taylor show. What are they doing over here? Thanks to Nick Price. Yes, sir. always, the man. Yes, sir. Nick Price producing the operation. Really enjoyed it, Nate. We'll look forward to, uh, well, we'll preview this game a little bit more on Friday. But again, every week going forward in October, we'll be out with you. But once again, Dusty Likens, the Red Reaction Show. Coming up next, what's all your calls about the game that happened yesterday? If you want to call, you get your chance coming up next. It's been the Nate Taylor Show. Thanks. Good night.